Hey everybody, it's Drew and Elijah again, back for another podcast. So I think, and Elijah, we'll see what happens today, but I think we're going to stop talking about tradition for at least a little bit, um, uh-huh. kind of get off our hobby horse there. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, how we should be relating to what we're going to call outside Christians, which is maybe a <laughs> maybe a bad way of phrasing it. Maybe that maybe that discloses a mindset that should be. Um, revoked, but the, basically just the idea of how we relate to people that are not Anabaptist, right? And what kind of an attitude we should have, how quickly we should listen to what they say, and how we should use discernment in in looking at messages, books, content from people that are not Anabaptist. So there are, of course, a lot of practical examples we can give of this this question, but I think the common way. Uh, at least in, in many conservative Anabaptist circles, of looking at other Christians outside of the Anabaptist world is with a lot of skepticism. Mm-hmm. Like if you listen to people um, who are not Anabaptist, you're likely going to give up your values and and be convinced, be persuaded by them to sort of join mainstream American Christianity. Yeah. And for good reason, we have a problem with mainstream American Christianity. Mm. Um there are, there are parts of it which we clearly have rejected, and we are in some ways trying to live very differently. Um, but the question here that we have today is, are we looking at that, at that question in the best way we can? And should, should we be open to input from sources outside of the Anabaptist world in our theology and in our um, you know, missions and in our apologetics? Uh, in in just understanding the word of God better? Mm-hmm. Is there some place for taking in content from outside of Anabaptist sources? And to be fair, both you and I, we should probably state right at the outset of this discussion, both you and I have an incredible amount of input <laughs> from sources outside of, right. of this world, um, <laughs> outside of the Anabaptist world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make that very clear here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we are, we are biased uh, right from the start in, in a sense mm-hmm. because of that. Um, but I think we're, we'll have an interesting discussion on this topic. Yeah, well, to just jump off of what you said, um, the idea that we don't want to um, hear things from people outside of our community because then people will be drawn away into, say, mainstream Christianity. There's something a little bit sinister to me about that whole way of thinking which is basically like if you actually get the, get out there and hear the other arguments, then you're going to give way and be swayed over. Um, which to me, if what we really if what we think we stand for is of unique value and something desirable, then there isn't some huge danger. That the first time someone sees something outside of our setting, they're going to be, man, I'm going to be hooked. And if that's really where things are, actually, that reflects very negatively on where we are. Yeah, and it's a low it's a low view of truth. I think in general, mm-hmm. the idea that that. Uh, you can be dissuaded from something true because of seeing something false. And, and like, there's almost no, there's almost nothing you can do about it. So all the best you can do is to, um, you know, stick with what you think is true and not, not look at any outside influences right. because if you do, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be drug away by that. Right. Um, that's just not the nature no, of truth. It isn't. Truth is something that when you bring out all the facts and you line it up, uh, what is true as long as you're being fair and as long as you do deal with your biases, mm. um, you should be able to come to the truth because yeah. that's that's what truth is. Right. It's something discoverable. Yeah. But I, I think it's also fair to bring up um, 
the fact that there is some emotional, uh, in fact, a very strong emotional and relational aspect to the way we come to our beliefs. And so on the other hand, we shouldn't entirely reject that, that intuition that to go outside of, of what we, what we know to be true may lead you away. Like that intuition, there's something true about that, which is we don't entirely build our belief system purely on logic. Oh, for sure not. So yeah. there, there are relational and emotional factors that we should take into consideration as we're looking right. at this. Mm-hmm. But the, the healthy place is one that enables us to, um, I think there's, well, for, for starters, there's a lot of things in mainstream Christianity that we just shouldn't be interested in because mm-hmm. they aren't interesting or they aren't helpful. And I think there's, um, there's almost a tendency sometimes there's two tendencies in the, in the in the Anabaptist community on this. The one is to 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 build a real wall, and just anything that is mainstream American is therefore suspect, which is I think a very problematic way of viewing it. Although we 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 will have to get into this later. We'll have to define what we mean by mainstream Christian because mm-hmm. that's a little bit touchy. But outside of that, that could include a lot of different yeah, categories, right? Um, but outside of that, there's there's also the people that that feel if we can go back to <laughs> our tradition discussion, that feel embarrassed about their heritage and then just anything that isn't that heritage therefore seems exciting. Yeah. And that is very, very unhelpful because there's a lot of things in, in mainstream Christianity that are just um, not interesting. And so having this intrigue of, oh, this person isn't Mennonite, well, that's cool, is, <laughs> is also silly. Um, so I think we're kind of simultaneously dealing with, with both tendencies. And I wonder if part of the reason why ministers and leaders often will look on it at other sources with skepticism is that they've seen a lot of people who have this sort of mentality of, you know, everything outside of, of my circles and who, who, you know, Anabaptists and who I listen to, everything outside of that is just interesting and, and almost by necessity better and something I mm-hmm. want to look into. That sort of fascination um, to an unhealthy degree with everything that's not what I have, of course, is going to draw people right. uh, away from, from everything that they have. But the problem is, and I think we need to, cl- to point that out clearly, um, is not so much that they're engaging with the broader spectrum of beliefs, mm-hmm. but that they don't really know or care about their own. Oh, yeah. For sure. So let's let's just let's get a few things straight here, right as we, right as we start this. The one I think is that there are values that are unique to us as Anabaptists, if we're going to use that word, um, that we want to defend. Mm-hmm. I think if that wasn't the case, we would have no business being Anabaptist, right? Um, so I think we we there are these values structures on in things like um, marriage. The family, um, non-resistance, stewardship um, in business, yeah, various things like that. Stewardship in business, which means making as much money as you possibly can <laughs> and spending as much as you, of your life in it as you can. Uh-huh. No, um, sometimes that's what it is. Unfortunately, though, though yes, yeah. Um, but uh, so th- there are these things we want to defend. Um, but I think we have to acknowledge that just because there are aspects of that that other people might not share that doesn't necessarily indicate that everything about what they have to offer is suspect. So unfortunately, and it would be amazing if it would be this simple, if we could just have a spectrum and, you know, if you don't believe, if you don't, I'm maybe going to be a little bit um, facetious here, but if you don't believe 
and feet washing, then you're a little bit suspect. If you don't believe in cape dresses, you're even more suspect. And then if it's the head covering, then you're really suspect. And then if you don't believe in non-resistance, man, you better watch out. And like, we keep going down this spectrum of, of beliefs. Like, I think we very easily kind of imagine this is how it works. So we kind of judge someone's entire theology based on these kind of peripheral, the kind of peripheral things that we tend to pass judgment on. And so then we judge. So if someone, say, is interpreting John 3, we think the fact that they don't they don't practice feet washing or their wife doesn't wear a dress somehow needs to weigh into that conversation. And I think that's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Now, if it's, a, <laughs> if it's a question of how to interpret 1 Corinthians 11 and, you know, the, the person doesn't wear a head covering who's speaking into the issue or their wife doesn't wear a head covering. See, now, now there's real biases. But if we're talking about like how to, as you said, you know, how to interpret John 3 or something yeah. like that, uh, we need to make clear distinction between where our biases are affecting the discussion mm-hmm. and where they're not. Yeah. It's not like every bias affects every discussion. Mm-hmm. And there's a real tendency, and this is not just an Anabaptist tendency. This is mm-hmm. just a human tendency to kind of make personal attacks on people. So you might be hearing, um, well, this might happen. This is probably has happened. You know, John Piper um, talking about, say, John 3. Just pick it out of the sky. Um, and then someone might say, well, you know, I don't think he's non-resistant, as though that has any bearing whatsoever on the discussion. Right. It's like, well, if we're talking about how he views a specific doctrine we disagree with and then pointing out things in his theology that might be influencing him, then fair enough. But it's just almost turning into a personal attack. It's not much different than someone listening to our podcast and saying, you know, well, you know, last I checked, I I don't know, what's something wrong with one of us? Last time I checked, I think <laughs> I wear um, shoes Drew, that don't match. Drew needed a haircut. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's nothing to do with what's going on here. Um, so yeah, we can't, we can't do um, personal, we can't use personal attacks as as a way of critiquing people that are outside of our community. But where we can um, pass appropriate judgment is if, again, we have our value system strong and vibrant, we can look at people outside of our, um, outside of our community and say, hey, um, the problem with this person isn't that he's not Anabaptist, but he's using bad theology. Um, and I think um, we had, of course, several podcasts ago, a podcast where we critiqued Bill Johnson mm-hmm. um, and some of these charismatic trite phrases. Um, and I think there's a certain sense in which you can say certain things in our past and our Anabaptist community have influenced and, and, and helped us in coming to some of our conclusion on those things. But we never had to appeal to, to the fact that he wasn't an Anabaptist or right. that we were to make our point. And it was much stronger that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. We need to be going directly back to Scripture and then saying, you know, where these specific questions – where, where they interact with Anabaptist theology, we're appealing to scripture, not to right. tradition or the fact that yeah. the speaker is an Anabaptist in, yeah. order to, um, in order to bolster that position. Right. So to talk about, uh, talking about Anabaptists, so if I say Anabaptists don't have a corner on good theology, I think that might sound strange and, and perhaps even frightening in some sense. Mm. To some listening, like, what do you mean we don't have a corner on, on good theology? What do you mean that we don't um, have the have the best theology? Because why would you be an Anabaptist if uh, you know if, if you don't have all the right theology? Mm-hmm. So how would you respond to that? 
Oh, my. Um, well, I think some of it just comes to, some of it is, a, is this, this is one place where Anabaptists would do well to be more humble, <laughs> if, if I can say so. Uh, I think sometimes humility is, is put in the, in the wrong direction. Um, I think that's simply to say that our understanding of certain issues isn't going to carry out into all other issues. Mm-hmm. So those things that I feel like we are um, valiant and defending, and rightly so, that doesn't mean that we understand everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not as if God somehow has revealed things to us across the board that he hasn't to, to other people. And I, I think some of it does come down to that even if Anabaptist distinctives are valuable, they are not at the core of the gospel. And so the fact that there might be certain um, more secondary things that we understand better doesn't mean that the entire picture is understood in, a, in, a, in as full and as colorful of a way as it should be. And I think that's a good distinction to make because what we do share with, with all other, other true Christian groups is we share a common belief in the gospel. And so people outside of our circles in, you know, at many times are going to be able to better express certain truths or better um, explain mm-hmm. things about the, the nature of the gospel. And there are a lot of things there really that we agree on that they may um, be able to, to explain better or sometimes may even have more accurate theology on that just aren't our strong points. Right. And I, I think we would like, it's, it's easy for us as humans to think that we can somehow come to a point where we have a really full picture of everything that entails the essence of Christianity. And we don't. Mm-hmm. Like, God, God is, is so far beyond our human comprehension that we, we should be looking for ways in which other people, flaws and all, are able to point us to elements of his character that, that we may not have understood before. And there's just... It simply doesn't work in a neat way where the more things you have correct on a doctrinal level, then the more you understand everything else. Mm -hmm. It just isn't that way. I think it would be helpful to make a distinction between uh, two types of humility maybe here. Mm. Um, There's a sort of humility which has been, I think, correctly lambasted by by people who are searching after truth within mm. Christianity. And that is the sort of humility that says, look, we, we just don't really know what's true and what's not. Oh. And so, you know, it's, it's proud to say this is what the Bible says because there are a lot of different interpretations and the sort of ecumenical thing of let's all love each other because we'll never be able to discover what's true and what's false anyway mm. um, is a false sort of humility. And we should point that out. Yeah, it actually um, so, isn't humility. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Because I think true humility is something that acknowledges that there is truth that we don't understand, but posits that there is, that there are answers to these things. And that we, as we learn, have a standard of, of which we are seeking to match. Whereas I feel like the other is just kind of saying, hey, you know, everything's just kind of out in the open and actually and doesn't like have doesn't the matter. sense, right, doesn't have the sense of awe and respect that should exist for, for mm-hmm. truth. Yeah, that's good. So what we do need to be doing is, you know, instead of this, this false sense of humility, we need to be asking ourselves, um, we need to be telling ourselves, look, we, d- we don't have it all together. We do have truth in an absolute form in scripture, and we need to be get, trying to get closer to that. 
mm-hmm. in as many ways as possible, but a certain form of, of positive humility that says, I'm probably not there yet. Um, and there are probably many ways in which I can grow. So when we're looking into um, others, others' teachings, and they don't come from the Anabaptist circles, how do we um, effectively navigate differences in theology and, and how do we how do we look through that? I think the big the big principle here is that we need to be judging teachings, specific teachings, specific uh, truths or or um, theories that people bring on the basis of of the teachings themselves, not on the basis of right. where you come from mm-hmm. or what you believe on other issues. Yeah. We need to be talking about the issue in light of itself. And so there are there are plenty of non-Anabaptist authors who've given us, um, I think, incredible contributions um, mm-hmm. that we can be talking about and recognizing. I think of John Piper with his book, Desiring God. You know, I don't think there is an Anabaptist voice who is saying what he has said about the enjoyment of, of, of life and of God in life mm-hmm. um, being exactly what what God wants us to. It's not something that's sort of anti-Christian, right. but desiring God happens through all of life. And his famous quote, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied mm. in him, encapsulates that idea. Um, one quote here in his book, Desiring God, all the evils in the world come not because our desires for happiness are too strong, but because they're so weak that we settle for fleeting pleasures that do not satisfy our deepest souls, but in the end destroy them. The root of all evil is that they are is that we are the kind of people who settle for the love of money instead of the love of God. Mm. Wow. And while we're talking about uh, happiness and, and relating to the good things in life, um, C.S. Lewis has also really influenced me positively on the subject. His quote here from The Weight of Glory says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Mm -hmm. I think those are are two kind of incredible examples of of people taking true concepts that Mm -hmm. we believe, um, but really bringing them out in, in such a full color perspective right, exactly. that we don't see anywhere else. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think we should be open to, to hearing things outside of our community because there are things of real truth and beauty mm-hmm. um, that we'd be missing out on if we'd close ourselves off to that. All right. Thanks for listening. That's it for today. And we'll see you in our next episode. We're going to continue talking about this, guys. So stay tuned. 